W233AH Monticello. From Radio Catskill Studios in Liberty, New York, this is the local edition. I'm your host, Jason Dolt. And it's Friday night. Thank you so much for being here with us on a Friday night. Got a great show coming up for you. We're going to meet touring musician Frank Hurricane in our area. And Radio Catskill's own Aldo Troiani from Jambalaya will be on to uh, talk with Frank in the second half of the program and uh, also perform a couple songs. They were in earlier today, and we're going to hear some of that interview and performance. But first, as you may know, each week we touch base with Chris Rowley from the Shongung Journal Getting updates on the events and developments in Ellenville and Ulster County area. And this week, Radio Catskills Patricio Rabio spoke with Chris as he discussed Ellenville's approach to managing short-term rentals. So basically what's going on here in the town of Worsing is the town is, uh, is at last getting down on uh, short-term rentals and coming up with a short-term rental law. Properties in the town that have advertised at some point that they are Airbnb or VRBO or some other short-term rental company. And now there are about 55 that are registered with the county and are paying Ulster County's bed tax. And we should just note as we part, that has been raised from 2% to 4%. So it's a significant amount of money now. Anyway, uh, the, the issue of finding it out has been solved by the county and uh, John Gavaris, the uh, local county legislator, District 14 in Ulster County, who discovered in Granicus Associates software it's a sort of a government assistance software company, all sorts of things that local governments, county governments need to do. They can use the Granica software aspects one way or the other to assist them. And this is one thing. It will scour the Internet to find STRs in your jurisdiction. And since they have to be advertised and they will be, blah, 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 um, that works. So they found, you know, they got about 55 so it's worth having a law, and they need to register, and uh, probably there'll be a, a requirement of a fire inspection. Um, that's an issue that will be sorted out just down the road a little bit, I think. So that was the town. The town did that, and they set that public hearing, and they'll keep going, and the public can come in and, and ask questions about what's going down. Meanwhile, they asked the planning board, Ulster County, uh, not Ulster County, uh, sorry, Town of Warsing Planning Board, to review the law and sort of dig into some of the aspects of it that, you know, were basically the sort of things that planning and planning boards do. And they also noted the same things, that the numbers are available and the, that the Granica software will be used. And then they went into the sort of more difficult stuff, such as, will there be a cap on the numbers? Or would you say, oh, we can only have 100 or 50 or whatever it is and set it up that way? Um, and there are other towns in Ulster County that already have a cap and they're filled up with that already. And there's complaints about the lack of, uh, you know, um, rental housing and so on. So maybe a cap will be a good thing. Uh, if there is a cap, the, the town planner, Jonathan Lockman, uh, suggested that the cap be restricted to non-owner occupied properties. So that would be investment properties, um, Investors who buy properties in your township and run them as Airbnbs or whatever, uh, they might be restricted out or 
restricted in numbers. It, that's a question to be answered by town board more than likely. But meanwhile, owner-occupied rentals could operate without a cap. That's another possibility. So that way, people who are making a little bit of money by renting out perhaps a grandmother flat in their house or a room would be able to continue doing that, uh, and there wouldn't be any cap on their activity. That's one possibility. That's where it could be. And Don Schmalzer, who is the new of the Wawarsing Planning Board, replacing Doug Hart, who retired in December. Um, he, he, he made the point that short-term rentals are registered with the county, that are registered with the county, and pay the tax. They will be grandfathered into any list. So if you're already doing the right thing and you're already paying the tax to the county, no worries. You'll be on the list for the town of Wawarsing too. They're not going to cut you out. Uh, that was a very interesting and important little thing to note. And then Lachlan brought up zoning. And I know, don't, people, don't go to sleep, come back. <laughs> <laughs> zoning is important. It is crucial to know what zone you are in your town. And so many people don't, and it can lead to it's a horrific conditions sometimes. But uh, so Lockman had uh, done the work. He'd studied the new law and to see what sections of the town of abortion zoning were affected. And there were quite a few zones that were not going to allow them. Um, RP, VP, uh, MTL. These are all uh, special districts, uh, viewshed protection districts, mountain protection districts, things like that. Uh, the town had thought they wouldn't allow short-term rentals. Um, out of that came some discussion, uh, and it brought, led to a number of things. Basically, in the end, the planning board suggested that there shouldn't be restrictions on zones except IND, industrial. So anybody anywhere in the town, uh, no matter what zoning other than industrial, should be allowed to have a short-term rental if they've got the appropriate uh, property, a separate structure, whatever it is, that, and then it's good enough for Airbnb or VRBO, they should be allowed to do it. So that was interesting to see that the planning board trying to clear the way there. Um, and then the then, – but that brought up an interesting little side thing, which was um, – Mary Sheely, well-known personality in the town of Warsing, a realtor, uh, a former um, Lord Bob, village manager. I'm not, I can't remember. She had a long history with the village of Ellenville and the town of Warsing. Very respected person. But anyway, and so still in real estate. And she wondered if the attention being paid to short-term rentals was really in, not pointless because that she said that the issue of short-term rentals crowding out long-term rentals does not appear to be true in Wawarsing, that there's a lot of rental properties in Wawarsing and they're plentiful and they turn over and so it's not impossible to find somewhere to rent. However, what she did say added to that was that while the town lacks hotels and formal tourist lodging, so short-term rentals are useful because that lets people come and visit, but she said that the so-called shortage of rental properties is mythical. What is in shortage, and this is true right through a whole area, is affordable property to buy. What, that's what's lacking here. What we're all, what every town is lacking is affordable properties for buyers. That is for like young people 
uh, people who want to downsize, or lots and lots of different kinds of people. There's very little that's affordable that's on the market. So she made that point. That was good to hear, um, but also puts it back to the town that they can have and they can allow short-term rentals without risking the loss of ordinary long-term rental properties because those do exist in sufficient quantities. So then um, another thing that comes up, of course, is parking. Um, one of the one of the things that somewhat mythical that are thrown around by people who are against short-term rentals is that there'll be cars all over the road and people coming here don't know how to, to deal with rural roads and all that kind of thing. So, so parking was discussed. And I think the basics will be that if you rent out your property for a short-term rental, you have to have parking spaces enough for the people who are going to come and stay. And that led into a quick discussion of uh, of the other fear, which is that uh, houses will be jams of people partying all weekend and causing a nuisance. And that is uh, that really runs against um, the reality, which is that uh, these companies, Airbnb and VRBO, are very careful about that. They do not want those kind of properties. If you allow that to happen on your property and you're registered with Airbnb and there's a complaint, you get struck off. And they're pretty harsh about it too. You kind of have to prove that you're not rather than they have to prove that you are running a party house. You don't want that. And most people really, who the hell would want to have 25 kids live, you know, taking over their home or apartment or house or whatever for a short-term rental for the weekend and destroying it. Nobody wants that. There are built into the situation sufficient checks and balances to make sure that's going to be very rare. And like I said, a lot of these places, this has become a, a revenue stream for, for a lot of folks bringing in people. And I said the counties benefit because they get the they get the bed tax yeah. from it. So it's advantageous for them to you know uh, to keep it up and keep it in a good standing because they want to continue their business. Absolutely. There's, there's no incentive for anybody to allow their property that's going to be a short-term rental to be turned into a party house. It's just not. No, there's no advantage in that at all. A lot of people, if it's really doing well during the season, as soon as the people who rented it for Friday and Saturday are gone, people who are going to rent it for Sunday and Monday are coming in. And so they have to get people in to clean, get it all. Yeah, it has to be up to a high standard for Airbnb and VRBO. And you don't want complaints about it being dirty uh, or Dishes in the sink, good Lord, no. People come in clean and then new people come the next day. So if it's going to be like that busyness, you're going to take care of it. That's, that's the essence. Yeah, absolutely. So that, so they addressed that in the planning board and that's another aspect of it. And I think the final thing to discuss quickly here would be signage because the town board had a discussion of this and they had suggested that some kind of sign be posted at the roadside to make sure that people would find it easily and avoid the thing where someone drives up from the city and they haven't been here before and they, okay, they've got GPS, they've got Siri telling them where to go and everything and they end up, they're on the right road, but they don't know where it is, right? And so they end up knocking on doors going, is this what, is this number 143, that kind of thing? You don't want that. Nobody wants to be disturbed like that. And uh, yeah, and we know that those encounters can occasionally be fatal, as we had last year in New York State. Um, so avoiding that kind of thing, uh, they want to have a sign. Having a big sign, a 12-square-foot sign, seems 
unnecessary. And the planning board made that point. And the planning board said, why not just make it important for everybody to have the 9-11 address signs? Those are those blue vertical signs with the number of the road and everything. Make that requirement so that if you're going to have a short-term rental, you've got to have the 9-11 sign. And people, we all ought to have the 9-11 signs anyway, so that fire, police, first responders can find the place easily. That's the point. Uh, There are too many, still too many addresses in town of Wabosing and other other towns around here where, yeah, they got a sign, but it's hidden behind a bush. Or it was visible, but the bush has grown. I remember in the town of Forsberg, they uh, passed a local law mandating some of the, mandating the residents to change their signage uh, to those reflective signage because they were having a hard time in some instances getting to the locations within town of Forsberg because even before the pandemic, there were folks moving up here and, and um, um, you know, maybe weekenders or seasonal people and uh, not having proper signage outside made it harder for the first responders to get to them. Absolutely. That's exactly the thing. Part of the charm of our area is the their homes are tucked away. Often they're on a flag line. You know, you've got a long, narrow driveway and then back there in the trees is a lovely little house and so on and so forth. And those can be great for an Airbnb type weekend. You're totally private, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, but if there's no signs at the front where the little driveway is, You've got a problem. Siri may know and be telling you it's back there on the left and you're staring at a house, but it's not that house. It's behind it. Oh, it's way back there. That kind of thing can be done away with immediately by having uh, the blue 911 address sign at the entrance. So that's what the, the planning board came up to. And that's what they're going to recommend to to the town and, and, and make that a requirement for the uh, short term rentals. You know, there will be more questions. This is not gonna. This is not gonna be done easily or quickly. It, it will be back and forth at the town board for. I think they're coming back next month to talk, discuss it. Uh, it probably will come back to the planning board for further review and uh, and 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 study. We're talking to Chris Rowley from the Schwanker Journal, letting us know what's happening in Ellenville and also County. Chris, as always, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you again next week. Okay. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Patricio. Thank you, Chris. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, musician Frank Hurricane in Radio Catskill Studios. Stay with us. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Hey, this is DJ Chucks of Old School Sessions. Please join me and Selector Starkey at our new time, 8 p.m. to 12 a.m. Saturday night. Old school, baby. Old school, baby. Old school, baby. Old school, baby. That's old school sessions right here on WJFF, 8 to midnight, Saturday night, only on Radio Catskill. Welcome back to the local edition on a Friday. I'm Jason Dole, in for Patricio Rabio, here with you on a Friday evening. And coming up this evening, a bunch of musicians are playing over at Cabernet Franks in Parksville. And among them are Frank Hurricane. Frank Hurricane is a musician, touring musician, 
and he's in our area for this performance. We got him to stop in our studios earlier this afternoon, and Aldo Troiani, host of Jambalaya, came in a day early to have a conversation with Frank, learn about uh, his background, and also play some music. So tell us about your travels. You know, I, I saw from your bio online that you're a North Carolina guy, and you were telling me that you're, you're in Philadelphia now, but somewhere in between here and there, there are stories of spirituality and hiking and great music. And uh, start where you want. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, yeah, my name's Frank Hurricane. Uh, I'm a musician and hiker. And, yeah, I live in Philly these days. Uh, I was born in North Carolina. I've moved up and down the East Coast my whole life, uh, the Carolinas and, and Boston. I lived up in New England and Western Mass and uh, – Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, all all around. Uh, it's it's uh, East Coast style, though. Yeah. East Coast yeah. style. For so sure. you're not really on the run. You can actually go up and down the East Coast freely, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> news, exactly. Yeah, I'm not on the run. <laughs> what part of North Carolina? Uh, I was born in Durham, uh-huh. and then lived in uh, Chapel Hill. So Durham and uh, Chapel Hill was, uh, I guess, like kindergarten and first grade. Then Fayetteville, Fayetteville, yeah, yeah. North Carolina, from second grade, third grade, fourth grade, I moved to Columbia, South Carolina, and I lived there until senior year of high school. I moved to Johnson City, Tennessee, oh, into you... the mountains, and that was the beginning yeah. of the mountain experience, kind of. So what kind of music influence did you have? There's certainly a lot of bluegrass down there in country music. I mean, it's an important music history in that part of the world. Big time. How did you, how did you start? How did you get into it, and what were your, what were your influences? You know, when I mean, when I was young, when I was like in the Carolinas and stuff, I was listening to a lot of like Jimi Hendrix. You know, I'd I'd started to learn to play guitar. I think in the third grade, I I think it was no, not third grade. What am I thinking? Uh, It was like maybe like fifth fifth grade. I think I I started playing guitar, and um, I took a couple lessons or whatever, and learned a couple chords. And then kind of just stopped. I was playing acoustic guitar. I had my mom's nylon string classical guitar that was like, you know, a huge neck. And it was a Sears 60s classical, you know, nylon string. Very hard to play. And, you know, electric was what was cool, you know. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to get one of those. But they were like, learn on that, you know. And then I kind of just, I just kind of stopped. And then a couple years later, I bought an electric guitar. And I started listening to Grateful Dead and Jimi Hendrix and stuff, and I was getting into all that stuff. Then I started, uh, I moved to Johnson City, Tennessee in the mountains, you know, that's big mountains, you know. Yep, yep. And uh, I started finger picking. It just kind of naturally came with the environment, I guess, you know, the the rivers and stuff. And and I hadn't even, I mean, I, I always was in nature back in the day, but I started getting into hiking. I found out about waterfalls and stuff and, and mountains. And I was like, oh, man, there's all these trails and stuff. And then musically, I started listening then to like Burt Janch. Yeah. I'd yeah, say yeah. he's probably my biggest influence of all time, Burt Janch. But, you know, John Fahey and all those guys. But, yeah, um, it's interesting. I feel like when, when you play mountain music and stuff like that, it's in the cities that people really appreciate it the most. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. in the, it's in, like, New York and Philly and Baltimore. That's where people are wanting to hear, you know. I feel like in, in, for some reason, yeah, like in the mountains, people are, are playing other stuff these days yeah. or whatever. You know, they don't – or maybe they've heard so much of it they don't want to hear any more of it. You know, and it's cool. Yeah. That's, that's why I like living in the city, you know. And I get out. I get a – lot of me and my girlfriend go hiking all the time in middle pa and you know up here up around here 
and when it the ice goes away or whatever, the whites and Maine and everything, we're going to be hiking all over, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've been touring now a little over 10 years, and, you know, the first, I don't know, five years, e even maybe seven years or something, you know, desolate existential crisis shows 24 mm -hmm. seven, you know, but you just keep, you know, you, you meet somebody and you just keep doing it and keep doing it, plant the holy seeds, like you said, you know, yep. and, and next mm -hmm. thing you know, something comes about, you know, something comes of it and, and it's awesome. You know, you just got to keep at it. And, you know, you mentioned on your website, uh, spiritualism and, uh, and, and, and music and hiking and nature, you know, t tell us what got you on a spiritual hiking trip. I grew up like my family is Catholics. I grew up, I even had some nun, some nuns as teachers, like in second grade and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not Catholic for sure. And, and, or Christian, but I mean, I just, you know, I, I kind of like everything, you know, I like uh, all that stuff, you know, and, and, uh, to me, there, there's, there's spiritual stuff going on. There's spirits, there's, there's higher power. There's all that kind of stuff. I just feel it inside, you know? And, um, so to me, the easiest way to see that stuff is nature is these, these amazing places, these amazing things that exist that could not, you know, just mind blowing stuff. I mean, I, I just on the, the drive here from Woodstock today, I went through that Peekamoose yeah, yeah. Valley or whatever it is. Oh man, that's yeah. crazy. That's like one of the craziest things ever. And yeah. it's, just that narrow psychedelic little road that goes up and over yeah. and and yeah it was crazy i do photo shoots up there on the weekends during the during the school year up at uh, frost valley and it's just such a, a wonderful place to be it's just magic it's incredible yeah. it's incredible yeah and i mean just stuff like that the way you feel the things you see it's it's amazing you know yeah. there's got to be it's 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 it makes me feel you know close to god or whatever yeah. you want to call it you know it's awesome so how do you Translate that natural that natural experience into guitar music. Why don't you give us an example of that, please? Okay, please yeah, that. that sounds good. Hmm. about love rolling down that ain't street I'm looking up above moonlight coming through the trees I'm headed to the club rolling down Holy Ruth Street I'm thinking about love I'm thinking about love Ooh. Ooh. When I look into your eyes, I'm not sure what I see. Shrimp or knots and holy things, yeah, paradise is free. Rolling through the woods at night, bless them stars above. Rolling down Holy Ruth Street, I'm looking up above. I'm thinking about love. Ooh. Ooh. 
that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> that's you. really cool, man. Thank you. You can enjoy living here in Sullivan County. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Luckily, on this part of the world, we're only 75 miles from uh, New York City, and Sullivan County is becoming quite a little music venue in and of itself. And we're happy yeah. to be a part of that, for sure. You know? Yeah, well, you know, I'd never been here before until... Um... I guess it was like two years ago or something. My friends moved up here. Yeah. My friends in this band, Gorilla Toss. You Ooh. may have heard yeah. heard yeah. of them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Pete and Cassie and some other people. But the two of them moved up into like an old uh, barn turned into a house kind of thing mm-hmm. in Livingston Manor up on a hilltop out there. And uh, she, you know, we we were we were old friends. We we used to tour together way back in the day. We were both kind of getting started playing music. We lived yeah. in Boston, and um, Cassie had asked me to come up and rock at her uh, at the Catskill Brewery because she works there. Yep. And then, uh, you know, these are my good old buddies, and it was great to see. Him I think we them. met we met her. We played there uh, one time nice. about, about four or five months ago. We definitely. And then the the next time I played at the at Bethel Bethel Woods was the next show yeah. up around right around here, you yeah. know, and uh, that was awesome. I you played betcha, yeah, yeah. In the it, it was magical to be there. I mean, I started crying when I rolled up into the place, you know, because I was just like, "Wow, this is amazing!" Yeah. You know, um, that was cool. I played like in the museum or whatever. Yeah, like very they cool. have that stage in the basement or something like that. Oh, that's like, pretty in cool. The, yeah, it was it was awesome. And uh, I think I'm going to come back maybe and, and uh, open up for like a big band or something, yeah. you know, the, maybe this upcoming summer or yeah. something. Why, why don't you do another song for this segment and then <laughs> we'll go on to the next one. Awesome.
sometimes you gotta roll cold and snow to bless my soul cold and snow cold and snow cold and snow That's Frank Hurricane, the vocals and guitar. Thanks for coming out to the station. You're gonna My be- pleasure, Aldo. My yeah, pleasure. Thank you, Aldo, for that interview. And uh, there's a lot more of that interview with Frank Hurricane, and you're going to hear it if you listen to Jambalaya tomorrow afternoon at 2 uh, and the beginning of Aldo's show. He's going to play you more of that interview and more performances from Frank Hurricane. Frank Hurricane's uh, website is frankhurricane.com. There's also a great uh, little segment with Frank Hurricane on uh, North Carolina PBS called uh, Sounds of the Holy Mountains, Frank Hurricane's Mystical Musical Journey. That's online. And Frank will be performing tonight at Cabernet Franks along with some other musicians. Music starts at 7, Cabernet Frank 